This is episode number 342, Food, Mood, and Brain Health, with Mark Metry. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. The first announcement being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming five-week program called Curiosity, the Key to Rewriting Your Story. If this is your first time hearing about it, this is a program that we've been developing over the past five to six years of working from people from all over the world in helping them rewrite their story, the story of their past, the story of their present, the story of their future, the stories that are no longer serving them in order to help them become the people they are wanting to become. If you feel that this is of interest to you, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details regarding this program. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our work by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. So, food. Is this a passion project? Is it something that you feel like you're going to be invested in for however long, however many years you can be on this planet? Or how, how did this come about? Well, I definitely know I'm going to be eating food. <laughs> Hopefully every day, <laughs> for sure. Unless I do like the... No, no food diet, which I'm sure it's going to be like the, I mean, I guess that's what fasting is. Uh, but, um, you know, for me, when it comes to food, um, you know, I was like one of those kids who just like grew up in America, uh, you know, in the morning I'd wake up and I'd eat like brownies and cookies and muffins. Uh, and then I the go club. to school. <laughs> exactly. I go to school. I I get some chicken tenders, some French fries, some chocolate milk, you know? And, um, and I didn't really think about it, you know, and I was never really like educated. Like a lot of us were like, you know, food has more to do with your life than just your weight or like how you look per se, you know? And so for me, when I was about 18 and I had gone off to college, uh, I like reached this really interesting part of my life where, um, all of a sudden I sort of like became obese and I became very depressed and I had always struggled with social anxiety like my entire life, but it had gotten like really bad. And I started to have insomnia, couldn't go to sleep at night. And really the best way to describe it is I felt like my brain was broken. And like through like that darkness and like through facing that hardship and that level of rock bottom, that's what personally got me just like slowly starting to think about the concept of food. 
And at that time, like, I didn't really know what mental health was like at all. I had never truly understood that concept of like, you know, you have like a mind, you have a brain, um, you know, you have emotions, you have sort of things that are happening beyond the surface that then make up like your thinking and how you feel about things in the world. And I had never really understood that. And so for me, I just started to try to like lose weight. And I was like, hey, what diet should I follow to like lose weight? And I tried a bunch of different kinds of diets. Um, but eventually what really happened was I really like accidentally stumbled on this concept called nutritional psychiatry, which is basically looking at food from a much deeper lens, not just of like, oh, how many you know, calories does it have? Uh, you know, how much weight will you gain if you eat too much? But really looking at it from the perspective of like, you know, your brain is like an organism, right? And your every organism needs sort of essential key nutrients, right? Um, and I learned that like your brain has a high capacity for a lot of different nutrients that you have to get from your food. And so when I discovered that and I started to just like look at the research between like your brain health your mental health, anxiety, and then also like how that correlates with the food that you eat. And like that really got me down this road in like 2015, 2016. And ever since then, I've just like, you know, been like eating healthy. I've been like, you know, experimenting with my own health. Maybe I've been talking about it every once in a while on my podcast, on my podcast, you know, I've had on like all the different like doctors and, and and experts of all the different diets and different neuroscientists and different people who have spoken on the importance of nutrition and with your brain and your mental health. Um, but it was really just always like a, a thing in the background, you know, and it really wasn't until like this year when I, I honestly experienced a lot of different things. I experienced uh, like a breakup, which was very painful for me. I, I ended up traveling um, I went to Egypt, which is like where I'm originally from. I was born in America, but like I'm Egyptian. My parents are Egyptian. So I went back to Egypt and I honestly came back and I was just like, like, what is my purpose in the world? Like, what is the number one thing that I can like provide value in to people? And I just started thinking, I'm like, you know what? Throughout all these different years and like throughout all the interests that I've had, nutrition, like specifically for mental health has always been like a key center, just like in my head. And like, I'm the kind of person where like, I'm always like, like reading like random studies <laughs> on nutrition and like watching Ted talks and just like looking at the news of nutrition. And I'm just like, like always like the last few years, I've always been obsessed with it because I believe it's like one of the strongest levers that really someone can push. Even if you are depressed, even if you're anxious, even if you're suicidal, like even if you're an insomniac, food is still something that you can do that will have a tangible effect on your mental health. And so I was like, you know what, let me go all in on like nutrition, you know? And so I like restarted my podcast. I got my certification in nutrition coaching. I'm currently like getting a, another one to be a nutritionist. Um, I've like shifted a lot of my business and like towards helping people like that. Um, I also do public speaking, so I've shifted a lot of my work towards that and just like trying to help out the community because uh, like, I know we were talking about this before we hit record, but, you know, like mental health is really such a complicated subject. And if yes. you truly, truly understand mental health, you know that it's it's not necessarily that complicated. It definitely is complex, 
But like to the regular person, mental health is very, very, very complex. It's very like ethereal. It's not like a, like a material thing. A lot of people struggle to grasp it. And so I'm sort of like trying to use nutrition and food as like a Trojan horse to like get people down the road to understand the power of mental health the same exact way when I started my journey in 2015, 2016, and I was just like overweight and I had no idea what mental health was. Nutrition is what got sort of me in the door. And so I think that the same thing uh, can happen, you know, and then you look around the world and you see how, um, you know, at least in America and a lot of like the Western countries are having like, you know, a lot of um, increasing rates of like mental health problems. America's in a mental health epidemic. And then also like in America too, there's over like a hundred million people who have prediabetes. There's a hundred million people who have hypertension. Uh, I think there's 60 million uh, kids who have like different behavioral disorders. And so I personally believe that all those things can be either fixed or much, much improved through nutrition, proper nutrition. And so I'm going to try to focus on this stuff as much as I can in the next few years. And like, for example, yesterday, uh, like Biden and the White House, they did like the first conference on nutrition in like the last decade or so. And so this is like a huge, huge, huge area that I think is is going to affect every single part of our society, from the mental health to the healthcare system, to the education system, to how kids deal with things. And so that's what I'm trying to tackle, like what I think is one of the biggest like root causes. Why now? Why do you think we are being, not we, but why do you think there's so much more attention on the food as being one of the primary pillars towards a better well-being now than never so before? Because I remember when I was in school, starting from middle school all the way through high school and college, food never entered the conversation. It Same. was very much like, okay, you have anxiety, depression, go see a therapist. And right. then in therapy, I would learn all these different techniques about journaling, reflecting, processing my thoughts, kind of going back to your point, why mental health is a complicated topic for a lot of people, because think about the number of years it's taken us yeah. to learn how to become an observer of your thoughts, right? Like I experience thoughts on a daily basis that I don't choose to verbalize to the rest of the world, <laughs> as I'm sure you do, or anyone sure. else that's going to be listening. But that's a skill that had to be developed over however many years. And so I'm curious when it comes to food, why is it that we haven't had the same level of conversation that we're appearing to have right now? Yeah, I think the reason why now is because like we can't be silent about it anymore. And uh, like, I think every, not everybody in society, but almost every level of people in society, whether it's the government, corporations, people, families, a lot of us are starting to realize that like, um, we, we can't run away from the problem anymore, you know? And so I think that's really the biggest thing. And, and really what it is, is like the last 30 years of what I would really say, um, experimentation has been done on the general public from food companies. And we're starting to realize that that experiment has failed. People are getting uh, terrible chronic illnesses that are destroying their quality of life that can't even be solved by medication and like the most prestigious uh, Western medicine. And so I think now we're starting to realize like the entire experimentation that food companies have done over the last 30, 40 years of, 
you know, all of a sudden we're feeding kids uh, uh, Oreos that are cereal. All of a sudden, like, have you seen this? Yeah, like, all of a sudden yes. we're feeding kids that are like, you know, Lucky Charms with like a thousand marshmallows um, or or like this, uh, you know, this brand new, like, uh, you know, I don't know, McDonald's Wendy's sandwich that has like three fried uh, pieces of chicken with like all <laughs> these, you know what I mean? And so I think yes. we've, we've reached this level where it's like, oh, uh, like our body is not sort of this black uh dispose like this uh trash disposal where we can just like throw whatever food we want in and then everything works fine no i think we're starting to realize that like the last 30 40 years of like the american diet the western diet um whether it's because of uh like lifestyle or whether it's because different food companies are not being regulated properly so they're not incentivized to put in the right nutrition and put in garbage ingredients that can have a wide variety of health problems depending on the person. And so I think that's really it is people are starting to realize. And, and for an example, right, this already happened during the Industrial Revolution. So during, when the Industrial Revolution happened and a lot of the world, people started to move to cities, what started to happen is people moving into cities, there was a big problem with sort of food transportation. And a lot of people couldn't get access to high quality meat. And so people started to eat meat less. And so what started to happen is that people started to develop all of these nutritional deficiencies at a mass level. And then what happened was the government had to come in and create um, uh, synthetic nutritional requirements for food. So like if you um, if you like buy bread or you buy cereal, or anything made of grains, okay? And if you look on the back of it, like the back of the ingredient box, it'll say like, um, you know, enriched theamine, yes. enriched riboflavin. These are like all just like the, the chemical names for different B vitamins that are largely found in meat. And so what the government saw was that people were getting so many different nutritional deficiencies, things like rickets, scurvy, things that uh, people hadn't really seen in a while at a mass level. So then once they started to supplement with the, directly through the food supply, then a lot of those started to go away. And so I think it's it's almost sort of a similar like evolution of like where our society is and how people are just sort of given food um, just to like sort of satisfy their hunger without any regard of its nutritional quality and how they that may or may not impact your health. So to answer your question, why now? We just can't ignore it. And I think that's like a problem or a very common theme of a lot of human society. Like people yes. don't deal with problems until it's like literally in your face. You can't ignore it. It's like literally destroying your economy. It's destroying <laughs> your, your health, uh, kids, you know? And so I think that's exactly what's happening now. So people are starting to slowly wake up. I hope it goes in a good way, but maybe not. So we'll see. And I also think it it's partially one of those situations where something that I've observed and that's, unless it's a problem for you, it's really not a problem. Like I, I've seen this far too often. I've lived with that mindset for a number of years. And then I started to realize it's like, that really wasn't the best route to go. Like, yes, I may not experience racism, but it doesn't mean that I don't right. see it. Right. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Same thing with like food. I mean, I, I so to give you a kind of a quick story about my own journey with mm -hmm. food, I, 78 years ago, I became a vegan. I, I'm not a vegan anymore, but that, I was a vegan for about two years. Good. I literally, I, I, I went into, I, I was in college 
I remember going to my fridge. I pulled up the br- black trash bin next to it, and I just dumped everything from the fridge <laughs> straight into the trash can. The pizza, everything. Immediately within, I think, the first month, I lost 15 pounds because I was uneducated. I truly didn't know where to get my protein from. And after a while, the salad does become old. There's only so much <laughs> kale and lettuce that you can eat in a period of a week to a month. So I, I became very interested as far as, well, how is the food produced? Who are the main companies? And then kind of went down the road of Monsanto and all the different companies that they own. And then I looked at like Kraft and everyone, and it's all part of one major umbrella. And I was like, this is crazy. So <laughs> I, I chose to reincorporate different meats, in particular white meat, like turkey or chicken, because I started to realize that I was experiencing some deficiencies. I, I was very low in iron. And because of it, I was started to experience joint problems. You know, I'll wake up and all of a sudden my joints were hurting. And that's with having done zero exercise, literally just <laughs> gotten out of bed. So I was like, this is very strange and I don't want to experience this anymore. And that's where it kind of led me on this path of trying to explore different diets. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts. What are your thoughts on diets in general? And when it comes to all of these different diets that we have, and also the the quote unquote lifestyle that you are pursuing, what is that? Is that a combination of a little bit of everything? Yeah, that's a great question, man. And uh, I, I actually, you know, I remember when I experimented with veganism too, and I, uh, like the religion that I grew up in, um, we do like fasts from animal products. And so every year growing up, I would go basically half of the year, every year growing up without animal products. And, um, and I'm, I'm curious to ask you, like, why yeah. did you go vegan? So I went vegan because a couple of things. A, the relationship I was in at the time she was vegetarian wanting to become yeah. vegan. So, you know, like sometimes when you're dating people, like they do influence you. Can I tell you something, or... man? Go ahead. L- literally, I, I want to say maybe like uh, 50% or, or 70, 50 to 75% of the guys that I've talked to go vegan because of a girl. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So that that's one thing. The other thing is I realized that in eating meat in the mornings, the amount of energy that I had in the afternoon was almost non-existent. I mean, I'm talking like to the point where I was pretty much going to sleep and not for a 10 to 15 minute nap, but multiple hours in the middle of every single day because I just felt so tired. So there are many things. A, I didn't really understand how do you even consume food Right. And, and so over time, like right now, most mornings I'll either have a bowl of cereal or I have a cup of tea. I don't do anything heavy because I've realized that if I do anything heavy, then it just takes that much longer to process. And so halfway through the day, I kind of have to call it a day. It's just the reality. And so, yeah, the relationship and then just also realizing kind of my own personal journey of how much meat had on me. For anyone that's going to be listening, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with meat. I'm not saying don't eat meat. I'm saying there are certain meats that are better than others. That's what, you know, and and, and I'm saying that uh, heavy consumption of red meat is not always the healthiest of options as well. 
but that also depends on like how, what the cut, you know, what, where's it produced, how it's produced, all these different things. So I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of information to be unpacked about food, which is one of the reasons why I believe it makes it so complicating to begin with, because you have so many different things, so many different sources. And if anything that, I don't know if you've ever learned this, but I've definitely seen this through my life and other people. When you are approached with an abundance of information, sometimes it becomes harder to figure out like, what do I choose? Where do I go? That's why it's challenging for, I think, some people to make changes in life. Totally. Or pick a profession because you could be so many different things. Which one do you settle on, right? Yeah, totally. It's a great question, man. And I, I love the way you think because I think about these things too. And like for me personally, like I've studied nutrition for like the last seven years and like I have gone down every rabbit hole. I've gone down the vegan rabbit hole. I've gone down the keto rabbit hole. I've gone down the carnivore rabbit hole. I've gone down the literally every single rabbit hole. And for me, like what I'm always trying to do is like, I'm always just trying to understand, you know, and I watch debates. Like I watch debates with different doctors, one who's vegan, one who's not, because I'm genuinely trying to learn. I'm trying to look at the science, you know? And so for me, the way that I approach diet is I look at diet as a tool, right? And so different tools come in different environments and situations, right? So if you're someone who's like morbidly obese, you're trying to lose a lot of weight or, um, you know, there's even, or uh, like, for example, you know, under the work with like a doctor, you have epilepsy or you even have something like a schizophrenia. I would probably say you should probably look into going on a keto diet because specifically for that, it can be helpful. But for everyone else, probably not. Um, you know, it, I would say to people like if you if you're having some like if you have issues with your gut microbiome and you've had them for your entire life and, um, you know, you have a lot of gut problems and stomach problems um, and like you've tried the other diets, I would say maybe you should try going to an animal-based or even a carnivore diet for a temporary period of time. And the reason why I say that is because um, like your gut micro, like what a lot of people don't know is that um, like fiber from plants, like things that are found in cereal sure. and oats and, and every, every vegetable and fruit, um, fiber is only processed through your gut microbiome. Your body does not process fiber. And so fiber is good for you, but if you have a problem with your gut microbiome and your gut is trying to process that fiber and it's not doing a good job, that's going to cause a lot of inflammation to your gut microbiome. And so there's certain people who follow like a, a gut reset protocol where you remove all fiber from your diet. So the things that don't have fiber is literally just meat. You eat that for a few months, you introduce some other things that can lower inflammation and then slowly you start to reintroduce fiber and then your gut is brand new again and you can eat whatever you want for the most part. Like that was with me. Like I, I couldn't eat uh, a, a while back. I couldn't eat almonds, spinach, and oats. Every time I'd eat them, I'd either feel like crap or my body would have like almost like an allergic reaction. And after I fixed my gut microbiome, I can eat all those things. No problem. You know? And so the way that I approach diet is it's a specific tool depending on the specific person for their specific problem. Now, what I would say, generally speaking, is if you're not, you know, if you don't have epilepsy or, or one of those things, um, what I would say is like, I think a, a great diet is a balanced diet. 
And so, um, like, I'm not a fan. And like, one of the reasons why I'm not necessarily a fan of, of like the vegan diet is because you're eliminating an entire category of food. I, I'm not really a fan of that. Now, again, in certain circumstances, you can do that and, and so on and so forth. But to me, like any diet that eliminates any any natural category of food, I, I don't think it's a good idea. Because the truth is that human beings need a mix of protein and carbohydrates and fats from fruits, vegetables, meats, grains, nuts, seeds. Now, of course, depending on the person, depending on what they have, maybe they should go easy. Maybe they shouldn't go. You know what I mean? And so it really depends on the person. Um, but that's the way I see it because the second you start eliminating categories of natural whole foods, number one, the person starts to eat processed food, which is like the actual problem because they feel restricted. Um, and then number two is like, it just opens your world up for different nutritional deficiencies. And then number three, what I would say too, is like, I always try to go back to like, um, what were, what have humans been eating for like thousands of years, you know? And a lot of the times, like obviously it depends on who you ask and there's different people who believe in different things and, um, you know, people who talk, cite different things. But if you look at like the, the, the most like coined or the most original human diet, and they've done, they've literally done a study of this where they've measured carbon isotopes in like or the original human fossils. And they found that humans, at least at the beginning, we only ate meat. And then as we went through and then starting from 10,000 years ago with the agricultural revolution, people started to eat like small amounts of plants and people ate like different fruits. People ate uh, like tubers, like these different roots in the ground that now can be traced back to like potatoes and sweet potatoes. And so when you look at it, every like part of the world has had different diets, but they've a lot of the times they have been based around meat and they have been based around a small amount of, of plant products like berries and fruits um, and honeys. And then as people started to grow farms, then people started to slowly eat wheat um, and other sort of, um, you know, farms and, and, and plants. Um, and so for me, what I go back to is like, number one is I try to go to like a natural, um, unprocessed whole foods diet. And then number two is like, everybody's different. Right. And there's so many, like what you said about nutrition being so complex, there's so many complexities, right? So for example, um, like, just like what you said, right. About not being able to eat meat, for example, in the morning. Right. And obviously I don't know your situation or, or what have you, but for example, a lot of people have that problem that you just said, because they have low stomach acid. One of the reasons why they have low stomach acid is because when you eat a lot of fiber, when you eat a lot of plants, it slows down the acidity in your stomach and it makes it more alkaline. But the truth is, is that if you want to eat meat and a lot of other things, your stomach has to be acidic. If it's not acidic, you're not going to process the food. You're not going to digest it properly, you know? And so like, there's so many different things, but then for example, some people have stomachs that are too acidic and, you know, when they eat this kind of food, it has this kind of problem, you know what I mean? So it's, it's like almost like a moving puzzle that requires all these different, you know, complexities. Like that's why it's hard for even like a doctor or even like a nutritional expert to be like, everybody should follow this diet. Everybody should eat this. It's almost impossible to say things like that because everybody is really in a different state. But what I would say is like the fundamentals are 
you got to make sure that um, like number one, like you're getting yourself enough energy throughout the day. And that's through calories. Uh, a lot of people don't like to talk about calories because the junk food industry has like, de- has like used calories as like, um, like a scapegoat, you know, like mm-hmm. Coca-Cola during the world Olympics in like the seventies, they popularized calories to the general public because they're like, Oh, guess what? As long as you don't eat a ton, you can enjoy a can of Coke because it's only got 150 calories. Um, but what I'm saying is that calories are units of energy. It's a unit of, of heat. And we need a certain amount of energy for our brains and our body to run properly. And especially like if you have any kind of like fitness goals, if you're trying to gain more muscle, if you're trying to gain weight, if you're trying to lose weight, that may depend. But really like the guidelines are make sure you eat enough to get energy. Um, make sure I would say to eat a decent amount of protein, especially if you care about muscle, which is very important for your, your brain. Like they've done studies and they've shown that the more muscle that you have in your body actually makes your brain stronger. So that's very important too. And protein also, um, contains nine essential amino acids, which basically means that your body cannot produce these amino acids by itself you must ingest it through your food you know and for example all animal products every single animal product is a complete essential amino acid whereas um other than soybeans i think there are no plant products that contain every single essential amino acid now can you mix them can you eat this plant with this plant and this plant and this plant that has different amino acids to make it up yeah sure um, but then at the same time, like you run into some issues with like bioavailability, which I can talk to you about. And there's like a, something called the dias scale. Um, and so really what I think is the most important thing is that people eat like a whole foods unprocessed diet, make sure you get enough energy through your calories, make sure you eat a lot of protein. Um, and then make sure you eat es- the essential amino acids that are found in protein. And then, you know, try to aim for, like different micronutrients that a lot of the times are either found in plant products or they're found in animal organ meats. And so obviously depends on the person, but I would say like, that's like a general, you know, rule of thumb without saying like, Oh, this diet or this, this, this diet, you know, I'm curious. What do you think? Do you think it's expensive to eat healthy? I think it can be. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely, definitely can be. And I think the, obviously I think that's the, one of the barriers, at least it was for me. I don't mm-hmm. know what it was like for you that prevented me from starting earlier is because I mm-hmm. thought that it was going to be expensive to eat healthy. Now, I also think not to interrupt you, but I, I also think that sure. one of the reasons why I thought that is because I thought that the only way to eat healthy was to eat organic. <laughs> That, right. And I think that's probably the thought process for a lot of people as well. And so that's yeah. why I'm curious for anyone that's going to be listening to this. What do you like? What are your thoughts? And does it have to be expensive? Right. That's the ultimate question. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of like these beliefs that we have of like, oh, eating healthy means you eat organic or eating healthy means it's got to be expensive. I think a lot of these beliefs and these ideas come from what you said before of like when people are presented with too much information, they don't do anything about it. And I think in my opinion, like the food industry, big food, or even the health and fitness industry, 
they have done this to people over the last few decades. They've told them, oh, uh, a low fat, uh, a high fat, uh, uh, no carb, high carb. Uh, uh, don't eat meat, go vegan. Oh no, eat meat. Uh, you know, carn- red meat isn't <laughs> that bad for, like people have been inundated, right? So uh, the, the instinctual human response is to be like, blah, blah, blah. And Praise. they just go back to whatever <laughs> they were doing, you know? Um, and so is eating healthy expensive? It definitely can be right. I think if you are like living in New York city and like you buy like a, a $25, you know, like kale chickpea salad that has like, you know, golden encrusted walnuts, you know, I think, I think that can be expensive, you know? Um, but for example, like, you know, um, like in terms of like fast food, for example, like the, the healthiest fast food is chipotle you know and so like for example like you go to chipotle if you get like the most basic bowl i don't know about where you live but for me it costs like nine dollars yeah nine dollars is not bad and plus it's like they give you a decent amount of food it has a lot of the different all the categories of food if you get a lot of different you get a lot of different things on your bowl um and so eating healthy it can be expensive but it doesn't have to be so for example like if i was a college student or if i was someone who didn't have a lot of money this is exactly what I would buy. Okay. I would buy like the biggest bag of like organic rice that I could find, uh, which usually actually, even though it's organic, it's usually not that expensive at all. Um, number two, what I would buy is I'd buy a ton of potatoes and like the cheapest vegetables, potatoes, carrots. Those are usually the cheapest vegetables. Um, and then I would buy, um, I would buy canned sardines. I would buy canned tuna. Um, I would go to, I would go to Walmart and I would buy grass fed ground beef, which again, isn't a hundred percent super cheap, but it's like five, $6 a pound. And so if you, you know, if you split that, if you eat like, I don't know, a third of that, a meal, you're spending like a $2 for, for like the meat per meal, um, which is not bad. Um, I would, um, let's see here. Um, you know, so, so there's a, so there's a decent amount of food that you can buy where, yeah, you may not have that many options, but you know, you can frozen fruit, for example, like if you buy big bags of frozen fruit compared to fresh fruit, um, uh, let's see, you can buy like dried beans, like bags of dried beans. Um, you know, so there's definitely What's the, what's the nutritional value would you say between frozen fruit or fro anything frozen compared to not? I actually don't think there's any difference. Um, I, I think actually like they've done studies, the studies that I've seen, they actually showed that the nutrition and and I believe it was frozen fruits was actually higher than the fresh fruits because yeah, because when they cut them like in the field where they're growing, and they throw them in like a, a vat, they freeze it instantly. Whereas if you buy fresh fruit, you buy it at the farm, they put it on a truck. And then like within three days, it like gets to the store. And then maybe it sits out one day before you buy it. So it's been sitting there for five days. And the thing about vegetables and fruit um, is if they're just like sitting in room temperature, their nutritional value goes down. Um, and so They've actually shown that frozen fruit in certain compounds actually has higher nutri- nutrients and higher bioavailability, bioavailability than fresh fruits. 
Hmm. I've always been curious about that because I, I know that in the case of my parents, they, they will buy a combination of the two. And I kind of started to pick up and really try and question like, well, does one hold more or not? Or otherwise, like, what's the point of, bu of buying one versus the other or or one of each, right? Right. And, and so like what you just described, it's interesting to me. I'm I'm also curious when you were talking about the different diets and the different lifestyles that people are um, essentially creating for themselves, just based on your own journey, where did you start as far as beginning initial questions like, okay, this is causing me X, Y, and Z. Maybe I need to do research in here. Just in case anyone who's kind of wanting to enter that space, but once again, due to the amount of information available, just has no idea what questions to even ask. What did you ask yourself at the beginning? Yeah. So really when I came across um, the idea behind nutritional psychiatry, which again is like, it's looking at your brain from the perspective of it being an organism. And there are a number of like essential nutrients and fatty acids that scientists have broken down that our brain needs. And like, for example, a great book about this, I actually have it right here. It's called, um, That's you can't right. even see it. It's, no it's, it's called, <laughs> eat, it's called um, eat to be depression and anxiety by Dr. Drew Ramsey. And in here, he kind of like breaks down the different like vitamins and, and things that you need. Um, like for example, one of them is like omega-3 fatty acids, uh, specifically like DHA, which is really found in only in seafood. And so um, like that, that's one of them. And, and the reason why I say that is like how I started is because, yeah, when I first started, at first I went vegan and then I was like, I, and then I was like, this, this does actually doesn't make any sense. Just like for me thinking about it, like my great, great ancestors weren't just eating plants. And then I also <laughs> started to have some other issues too. Um, and then I went to this thing called like the bulletproof diet, which like everyone knows, like the bulletproof coffee, put butter in your coffee, all this stuff, um, which I'm not a fan of. Um, but I tried out all these different diets, you know, and, and like really across all of these, I just began to understand that like, I just have to stop eating processed food and I just have to eat whole unprocessed food because yeah, everybody is different. You know, maybe if you don't have this specific enzyme in your gut, you can't eat this or that. But I really just started to, to look at it from the perspective of, I just got to eat more whole foods. And then I also started to look at sort of the list of key nutrients and minerals that we have to get from food. And then I started to be like, how can I eat the most amount of these foods, right? So omega-3 fatty acids, I started to eat salmon. I started to eat sardines. I started to eat uh, oysters, you know, all these different fish products. Um, and then for example, like what is another like key vitamin, um, like vitamin B12, vitamin B12 uh, is found in meat, seafood, eggs, things like that. Then there's like, oh, vitamin C. Vitamin C is primarily found in like fruit and like certain vegetables. Um, and like, I think like beef liver has vitamin C, uh, you know, and then and then like, for example, another one is like zinc. Oh, what's what's in zinc? Um, I have like a list, right? <laughs> I have like a full list. What's in zinc? Um, oysters, steak, uh, turkey, uh, pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds. You know, and so I sort of started to go down these lists and I started to be like, I just need to add all these foods in. And then what I also started to do as well 
is I started to like look at my plate and really like break it down into like thirds, like a peace sign. And really what I started to do is like, how can I create like a balanced meal of carbs, fats, and protein? And that really just became my framework. And then also eating like just three meals a day, you know? And like at that time when I was doing this, I was like living by myself and I had never really cooked for myself. And so, uh, you know, giving myself like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it was like a great way to sort of like structure my day and be like, okay, for breakfast, I'm going to eat, you know, um, some eggs with like some oatmeal. Eggs have protein and fat. Oatmeal has carbs. For lunchtime, you know, I'm going to eat, you know, a salad with like a piece of salmon on it. And then next to it or after, I'm going to have like a cup of like chopped mangoes and berries. For dinner time, I'm going to eat a steak with some potatoes and some broccoli, you know? And so it sort of became just sort of breaking it down into proteins, fats, carbs, something green, and really just sort of experimenting and cooking had a lot to do with it too. And discovering how to cook, that was also a huge, uh, <laughs> a huge unlock. Would you say that in a way, everything that you've just described, how close is it to eating according to your blood type? Uh, zero. There's there's no science based okay. on eating for your blood type. Because that's one other thing that I that's one other thing that I heard. <laughs> I think, however many years ago, is it's totally debunked. To blood type, but I just I never really understood like the reasoning and never chose to go down that rabbit hole and never took that approach to begin with. Yeah, but you I, should you should go down it. You'll realize there is no science. <laughs> mm. You know, and and like that's the thing. You know, I, I think so many people have different beliefs around nutrition. And I think, unfortunately, like nutrition has almost become like religion where it's like, oh my God, like, you know, if you're not vegan, then, you know, you're murdering animals and you're yes. a psychopath or, yes. you know, if you, if you don't eat animals then you know, oh, oh my God, you're going to die. You know? And so I think nutrition has become a religion. And I think depending on the culture you're in, even depending on like your family, your friends, there's all of like these like nutrition myths they're like echoed around, you know, and, 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 um, and again, people would rather, I'm not saying you, but people would rather like sort of believe in it, like a religion rather than be like, you know what, what does the science say? You know what, what are people like saying around the world? Like what are, what, what are the facts? What is like the emerging evidence to show why this is right or maybe why it's wrong, you know? And, and so I always take that approach, you know, so I've gone down the blood type diet and it's, it's not real, man. Unfortunately, I wish it was that simple. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish it's just like anything else, right? You pick a subject and depending on who you ask, you're going to get a different opinion based on their experiences. And, and then from there, you kind of have to figure out through your own trial and tribulations of like, what makes sense? What works? What do you want to pursue? And I think food, that's just one of those, another one of those areas, right? <laughs> Full of questions. Huge marks. area. We, everybody in the world eats 8 billion people around the world eat multiple times a day, you know? Yeah. And so it applies to everybody. And some do it more than three times a day, right? Some yeah. do it five, six. I eat days. more than three times a day. Right now I'm eating four or five times a day. Cause I'm trying to gain muscle and yeah. build my body right now. Yeah. It's been a great journey. Yeah. And I think depending on exactly like what you do, how much you exercise. I mean, I, I know people who do try who are triathletes eight, eight to 10 times a day. 
you know, and it, it's, it's a it's full-time like, job. It, it, it does be at a certain, <laughs> at a certain <laughs> point. And I, and I think the other thing that you mentioned, like being a full-time job is that I don't think it's only a full-time job for those who are athletes or for those who mm. are training. I think in my opinion, when you really get serious about it, it becomes a full-time job for anyone who is wanting to learn more about it. Right. Because 100%. even a simple breakfast is really not so simple when you take the time to think about it. Lunch, dinner, like all those things that component. <laughs> I remember when I was younger and I would go to the doctor's office and he would show me the the pyramid of all the different things. That oh, I God. And I would be so overwhelmed because then I'm immediately thinking, all right, I got to go home. I got to give up the cereal. I got to include that. I have to include more broccoli. I have to do this. And okay, I'll follow that for a week. What happens when week two rolls around? Going back to the old, going back to the default. Exactly. So I think there's also a, a component of understanding how do you make the changes, right? Mm. And for me, what I've learned is That's that great like, question. the best way that I found is small incremental steps. Like don't try and replace the whole food pyramid <laughs> that you've built your past however many years on in a week it's just not realistic like slowly right. incorporating or substitutions is that what you found as far as the changes go yeah that's a good question you know what i would say is this right so um when you first start this journey what i recommend people to do is like don't don't focus on like oh I, you know i gotta stop eating sugar i gotta stop eating this 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 because what that automatically does is it puts your brain in a scarcity mindset and if you think about how human evolution works where we had a scarcity mindset like imagine you're you know you're you're hunting right a thousand years ago and it's winter time and you and your entire village they're, they're starving to death. We haven't had food in a week, okay? And then you all of a sudden, right? You see a deer or, or you know, you see something, you see an animal and you, you, you know, you take it down, you hunt it, right? Um, you're going to take that deer back to your village and everyone is going to, to eat, right? And I think what happens is when you get in like sort of the scarcity mindset of I can't eat this, I can't eat that, the body's natural instinct is then to eat everything. Yes. Because if you're coming at it from a survival scarcity perspective, your body's like, hey, I don't know when the next time I'm going to eat food. So I'm going to eat as much as I can right now so I can hold on to it just in case anything happens in the future. And like that is like that is why obesity is a thing. And that is why like, um, like the overconsumption of highly caloric processed foods that is why everyone is eating them is because they work naturally on our human evolution and they take advantage of this circuit in our brain. And so what I tell people is like, don't think about, don't eat this, don't eat that, don't eat that. For sure, you, sometimes you, 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 know, you shouldn't eat certain things. But what I would do is do the opposite. Instead, what I would do is find like healthy foods that you actually enjoy the taste of. You know, and a lot of people think, oh, if I eat healthy, it just means I have to eat you know, salads all day that taste disgusting. I don't think that eating healthy has to do like that at all. I think you can eat healthy and not even eat a salad. And um, it doesn't mean, you know, don't eat vegetables. But um, what I'm trying to say is like, find like one or two foods that you actually enjoy the taste of that are healthy. 
you know, so personally for me, I really discovered that I really enjoy the taste of eggs and, and, and avocados. Yeah. You know? And so I just started to eat more eggs and avocados. And then I'm like, Oh, you know what? I really enjoy salmon or, Oh, I really enjoy like a grass fed ribeye steak, or I really enjoy potatoes like in the air fryer. Or I enjoy sweet potatoes or I enjoy this kind of fruit. And so eventually over time, if you look at it from that perspective, what you're doing is like, you're adding options, you're adding options, you're adding options, you know? Um, and so that's number one is like, focus on add, don't focus on remove. And then number two, what I would do is what you said of substitute. And I would say substitute when it comes to more of like the unhealthy junk food things. Like for example, like I used to be a, a, a savage when it came to ice cream. Like dude, I literally remember, I have memories where I literally uh, like go to the store, I'd buy like pints of ice cream. And I'd I go literally through the eat... whole thing. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too, me too. And, I still and, do from and... time to time. <laughs> <laughs> And like one of the things that I started doing to like get myself off that um, was like I started to buy frozen fruit and blend them and make my own like ice cream, but made of just fruit. Mm. Um, and then the, and, the, and like now in 2022, there's like a thousand alternatives. Like if you go to uh, like if I go to the grocery store right now, there's like three different brands of like ice cream that sell ice cream that's not made from sugar and is made from whole unprocessed true. ingredients you know and like the same is true with like you almost every category of food now it's honestly amazing now there's definitely like fake healthy food like there's a lot of products that companies make that are like oh this is vegan or oh mm. this is plant-based and then it just like has a ton of like chemicals has a ton of sugar and it's like is that really better for you probably not you know yeah. and so what i tell people is like yeah if you have like something that you really 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 enjoy that's like a junk food there's probably going to be an alternative. Like another thing is uh, like soda, you know, like I used to drink Coke all the time, but then I found um, a soda called Olipop where the soda itself is made out of plant fibers that help your gut microbiome and has no sugar. Um, you know, another one is like cereal. I used to eat all the cereal as a kid, but then now I have like a brand of cereal that, is high in protein, isn't made of artificial ingredients, doesn't have sugar, uh, you know? And so there's all these new things that I would say. So I would say like, number one is like add healthy foods that you enjoy the taste of. Number two, substitute mm -hmm. your current like junk food with alternatives, whether it's alternatives you make at your house. Like I, I like make cookies and I make pancakes and I make brownies all the time from ingredients from my house or just like buy them. Um, outside, you know, and then the last one that I would really say is like, look at food as a tool, you know? And so personally for me, um, you know, what I know is that like, I care a lot about my brain, right? So a lot of my diet is very like brain focused, you know? So, um, I think that a, a brain focused diet looks like it's high in protein. You have healthy carbohydrates, you have um, omega-3 fatty acids from fish. Mm -hmm. um, and then you also uh, consume some kind of uh, adaptogen, which is like um, different kinds of mushrooms, different kinds of herbs. It can be supplements, but it doesn't have to be, you know? And so that's what I try to look at for people, if that makes sense, like those four things. And not magic mushrooms, regular mushrooms, right? I'm just kidding. I mean, you could. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you really wanted to, it's a free country. <laughs>
Mark, how can people connect with you? Where can people find out more about who you are? Yeah, so people just go to my website, M A R K M E T R Y, my first and last name dot com. Uh, people go to my Instagram at at Mark Metry. People go to my LinkedIn, Mark Metry. Shoot me a, a personalized connection request. Those are the best ways people can find me. I have a podcast. I have a book. I have uh, my best authentic self. Hmm. I have a smile. <laughs> this what is awesome, man. What don't I have? <laughs> um, 100% trust in the world. Hmm. <laughs> That's a topic for a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, I was really about to say. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.